Good morning. Our opening song is number 376. Are you watching in the blood? This morning is Psalm 78, verses 51 through 55. And smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the chief of their strength in the tabernacles of Ham, but made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that, that they feared not. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies, and they brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even to this mountain, which his right hand had purchased. He cast out the heathen also before them, and divided them an inheritance by line, and made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord with number 301, 301 at the cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sin as such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all day. Well, like the sun in darkness hides and shut his glories in, when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, 
was there by faith, I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief and every pain, the death of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away, it is all that I can do. The cross at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all day. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all day. Amen. Let us now uh, invite the Lord's presence. Three in one, God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, all that he has done for us. We have gathered here this morning to be in your presence, to experience your presence among us. So we invite you now to work in each and every one of our hearts, draw us closer to you, draw us closer to each other, and please help us to block out every possible distraction so we may focus our whole hearts and minds and strengths on you. We pray in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, and uh, now if you could all uh, take your bulletin inserts to the side with the prayer of confession on it, and we will confess our sins together as one to God. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You asked for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We closed them, for we did not want to see. You asked for our lives, that you might work through us. We gave a small part, that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you, only when it is convenient to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, and send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. And let me just remind us all once again of what John put in his first letter, which, of course, many of us have memorized. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Wouldn't it be cool if he just stopped there? But then he says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the blessing, the glory of knowing Jesus and having him living in us. Well, now let's continue to worship on this Sunday, which is going to turn out to be a Passover Sunday for us. We will sing number 241, Lamb of Glory, and then 383, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Oh, oh, oh. 
message of that song. And now uh, you may be seated and we'll have the reading of God's word. And the scripture reading this morning is in three parts. First part, Exodus 12, 1 through 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. <clears throat> and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with appurtenance thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. 
and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire, and thus shall you eat it. With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. <clears throat> and this is Exodus 13, 1 to 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of men and of beasts, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which he came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall be no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites which he swore unto the fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall leaven be seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And this is Luke 22, 14 through 20. <clears throat> and when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be filled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Amen. That is the word of God, and we will dig into it in a little while. Uh, but now, if you will take um, your songbook, sing joyfully, turn to number 626 in the back, number 626, and we shall recite together the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I think that's an excellent, excellent summary. And now, uh, let us go to God in prayer. Three-in-one, covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, whose greatest desire is to redeem and restore all people into an intimate relationship with you and each other. We praise and thank you for the spring worship feast of Passover that you initiated under Moses and Aaron and perfected in your son, the Savior Messiah. We can never thank you enough for what he did for us on the cross as the only perfect man who ever lived. How can we ever fully comprehend what he did when his very lifeblood for us was poured out according to your eternal plan agreed upon before the beginning of the physical universe? Please help us to know you better by daily hearing from your word and to hear every word you have given every year. And please help us to fully surrender to you in your son, the Savior, and to be filled with the spirit of holiness and love, to be holy as you are holy, and to love you with all we are, to love each other sacrificially, and to love our neighbors enough to share the one who sustains and empowers us to be like him more and more each day so that we can enjoy your love. Please help us to share the love we have in you, whatever you are doing in our lives. And we know that sometimes we go through difficulties even though you love us. And we pray for our nation and the sin and selfishness that are we, we are sinking into more and more with each passing day. Please help us to be witnesses to the change that Jesus works in all who come to him in the humility and dependence of a small child. And we pray for the members of our church family Please continue to strengthen them. Please continue to strengthen Cindy. And thank you for those who are now vaccinated and returning to worship with us in person. And we think of Joe and and Nancy and John and Pat last week. Please keep Allie strong and be with her and her family, especially Misty and her sons. Please be with Kurt and Charlie Please be with all of the Wong family and we bring before you especially their friends, Mary and Lori. Father, you know what they need and and their need sounds great. Please be with Sally and Christine and Elin and Francis Mahan. Please be with Ken and Renato as he is away this week. And Lord, please also be with those who are still away and have not yet returned for personal worship. We think of Norma and her family, Doris, Betty Ann, 
And we thank you that you know the private struggles that each of us has and that you are working for our good even when we do not understand. And please help me to explain, interpret, and apply these three Passover texts. And please, may your Holy Spirit apply to each of our hearts what we most need today and in the days which are ahead. And now we come to you with one heart and one voice in the words of the prayer that Jesus gave to his followers, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I think a handful of songs that are being written today for the church will survive for a few hundred years at least, like some of the songs in our songbook. So now let's sing together that anthem about Jesus Christ written about 20 years ago. It's on your bulletin inserts, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone. Solid ground, burned through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in Love of Christ, I stand in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Home. 
here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Amen. A great truth about the God who desires an intimate relationship with every person on earth is that he never gives anyone more than he or she can handle at any given time. And God reveals this relationship aspect of himself by the name of Yahweh, the relationship covenant God. Now remember, God is infinite, perfect, holy, creator and king of everything. He is also full of mercy, grace, and love, love strong enough that even the hardest human heart can be changed by God's love. We, however, are finite, flawed, broken, tinkers of minimal power and influence. But here's the beauty. God shows himself to us where we are. He begins with where we are weakest, where we have our greatest need. And then he shows us what we need to know about him so that we will give up our desire to fix ourselves without him. How many times have we tried this and failed? And to commit to trusting him now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Then we can begin the adventure. And I really can testify to you, this is an adventure, people, the greatest adventure of getting to know him through his spirit-inspired word. And this happens for all who receive his son as their Lord and Savior. Now, at the moment we surrender to him, the author of the Bible comes into our lives and begins to teach our newly alive human spirit, just waking up, who God is and how we may live our lives to say thank you to him for all he has done for us. Now, in our first few years of hearing the Bible, we only understand the basics. But even those who have been hearing God's word for 20, 30, 40 or more years every single day will sometimes come upon a passage and a truth and we will say, why didn't I ever see that before? And the answer is, and I hope I'm not oversimplifying it, but the answer is, we weren't ready until now. That's how gracious God is. Now, with this as a background, this is what is happening in the passages we considered this morning, the two from Exodus and the one from Luke. They are separated by 1,500 years. Now, after Israel had been slaves in Egypt 400 years, Yahweh called Moses to lead his people out of slavery. And he did so with 10 plagues on the people of Egypt and their king. Now, the last plague was the death of every firstborn creature in Egypt. And we heard it. Yahweh told his people to kill a perfect male lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of their houses. And then he said he would pass over these houses with the blood of the lamb on them so that they could live and be set free. 
Now, when Jesus celebrated this very same Passover, the night before he gave his lifeblood on the cross, he said his blood on a person's heart would save that person from sin. So now let's look at each of these three passages one at a time. The first passage, God commands his people to kill the lamb in the first month, putting its blood on the door, to eat its flesh as the Passover, and then seeing the blood, the destroyer would pass over that house. Okay. The first half of this, we're told in the first month, the family head is to kill a perfect lamb at twilight on the 14th day, putting the blood on the doorpost. Now let's look at this line by line. In Egypt, they were still slaves. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, this is the first month for you. As I meditated on it this week, I realized this is so perfect. God's people start their year in the spring. What is spring known for in most of the world? It's the season of rain and new growth. What a perfect time to begin the year. And then they were to tell the prophet and the priest, each man in the congregation to take a lamb for his household on the 10th day. Oh yeah, and by the way, smaller families, they would share this lamb with their neighbor. Now, it was in the King James. It's not in every translation. This word for lamb means any animal from the flock. It could be a lamb or a goat. Now, the lamb shall be perfect. Perfect one year old and a male, and you shall keep it until the 14th day when all the assembly will kill their lamb for their family at twilight. There's a lot going on here. This lamb had to be perfect. Perfect, unblemished. Now, also, This particular evening on the Jewish calendar began the 15th day of the month. And in a lunar calendar, the 15th day of the month is a full moon. So this was the night of the full moon. Also, it's not so clear in English unless you have a King James, which still uses thee and thou for singular. But all the pronouns here are singular, and this indicates a unity of all God's people. There were separate individuals, but they were one in God, one as God's people. And now notice, they kill, they slay this lamb. And here's the truth, and I want you to hold on to it all the way to the end of this message, and we must Learn this. It's critical. With God, death always precedes deliverance and life. We cannot have salvation and life without death happening first. And then he says, take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and the top of the door where you shall eat it. So this blood of the unblemished one-year-old animal, mostly a lamb, it will protect God's people. And think about it as he describes it, the door frame. They are to put the blood like this. What does that remind us of some 3,400 years later? It's the sign of the cross of Jesus Christ. It was prefigured way back then. Then the second part of this passage, eat it roasted. Eat its roasted flesh with unleavened bread, the Passover. And I will strike down all the firstborn of Egypt. But having seen the blood, I will pass over you. The community of his people with the blood there. So again, line by line. 
eat flesh that very night, roasted of fire, unleavened bread in addition to bitter. Now, using fire to roast this lamb, this meat, links Passover with two specific sacrifices described in detail in Leviticus, both the burnt offering of total consecration and the fellowship or peace offering by which peace and relationship is established with God and each other. That's why it was roasted. And then he says, unleavened bread. Now, the rabbis pretty much figured out what this meant, and it's kind of obvious, but for those of us who hear the New Testament often, we know that Paul wrote to the new Christians in the city of Corinth, and he said, leaven is sin, and you can look it up. Now, bitter, and I hope you all have been to a Seder at one time or another. The bitter food would remind them of the 400 years they were oppressed slaves in Egypt. And then he says, whatever is left in the morning, you will burn with fire. So they burned up the leftovers. And, and, and this occurred to me, and, and I got out you know, a concordance, and I checked it out in scripture. People, what is going on here? Our experience with God yesterday does not carry over till today. Put yesterday behind us and renew our relationship with God every single morning. There's fresh grace every day, Lamentations 3. I thought of it and didn't write it down. And then he said, you shall eat in haste, ready to go. Colon, it's Yahweh's Passover. So their escape was urgent, and they were to wear their sandals while they were eating, and they were to hold their staffs. They had to be ready to move. Now, this offering of the blood of the lamb and the eating of it, it was what? It wasn't for them. It wasn't for the Egyptians. It was to the covenant God. It was to Yahweh. He is their savior. Then uh, they are told Yahweh will kill every firstborn of Egypt and judge all their gods. So for the Egyptian firstborn, and again, we heard it, it wasn't just people, it was even animals, even their animals. They would all die, the firstborns. And the gods are judged. Again, outside of God's chosen people, every culture had hundreds of gods. But these false gods and these idols would be judged by the God, by Yahweh, the God who desires a relationship with people. And then he concludes this chapter, the portion of this chapter, when I see the sign of the blood, destruction will pass over you when I kill that's kind of hard to take, but God is a judge. And if people keep shaking their fist at him in rebellion, there is a price to pay. And that's what happened. But he talks about the sign of the blood. The blood on the door kept Yahweh's people from destruction. So death passes over the blood of the Passover lamb causes death to pass over a house and a family. The blood of the Passover lamb delivers from death. Now let's go to our second chapter, Exodus 13. And we can summarize this. There's a deliverance, but he says, make every firstborn holy to Yahweh. He brought you out of slavery to milk and honey and eat unleavened bread seven days. So firstly, Yahweh said, make every firstborn holy to me. And then Moses said, remember this day when Yahweh brought you out of slavery 
with a strong hand. So again, line by line. Yahweh said, set apart every firstborn as holy to me. It, the firstborn, is to me. Make holy. Again, in Leviticus, we will hear that all of Yahweh's people were to be holy as he is holy. And the apostle Peter repeats this in his first letter. And it is to me, Yahweh's ownership. Everything is to him because as the creator of everything, he owns everything. Moses continues, remember this day when you went out from slavery by Yahweh's strong hand. Remember, that's a key, key word. Messiah brought them out. Again, Paul mentions that in his first letter to the churches in Corinth. And then later, and we will pick it up in our third passage, he told his apostles, remember his blood given for them on the cross. And then, then I love this. Really, the idiom here is a strong hand, the strong hand of Yahweh, the all-powerful covenant God. There is nothing in this universe more powerful than the strong hand of Yahweh God. And then he says, no leaven will be eaten. So for the second time in our passages this morning, Yahweh is now having Moses repeat this command he gave earlier. Get rid of leaven. Get rid of sin. You are going out this day in the first month of Aviv. And it's very interesting. Again, I wish people in the Bible would translate all these proper names or what we call proper names. It means fresh barley. Now, in the Mediterranean area, it's close enough to the equator. They have two harvests every year, a small harvest in the spring to get them through the summer, and then another harvest in the fall. So the first month was the month of the fresh barley. And then um, he said, go out. They're going out from the oppressive bondage. They are getting this because of their strong covenant God. Now, the second half of this passage, when Yahweh brings you into a land with milk and honey, eat unleavened bread for seven days because of what Yahweh did. Line by line. Because Yahweh will bring you into a land he swore to your fathers to forgive you. And I know I did this a few weeks ago where these five nations were mentioned, but just to refresh our memory, Canaan means zealous, either for good or for bad. And for them, it was more of the latter. The Hittites were terrors. The Amorites were speakers. And I think in the sense of a used car salesman who could talk his way into anything, and then fifthly, the Hivites were village dwellers and the Jebusites. That was the threshing place. And, and if you remember anything about Jerusalem, it was on a hill. And on the plateau of the hill, that's where the temple was built. Let me just tell you again a little bit about threshing. When they would harvest, they would have wheat and they would have chaff. So they would pick out a plateau. Where, where you know, the winds would be stronger at that higher elevation and they would toss everything in the air. And the chaff being light was blown away into the valley and the wheat fell to the ground. That's what Jebus is all about. And then the oath. Remember, we got to this earlier this year. It was given to Abraham that his descendants would have the land. The date for that was about 2080 BC. It's now 1450 BC. Over 600 years have passed just from one book in the Bible. And this land is fill, uh, flowing, I'm sorry, flowing 
with milk and honey, a phrase I think we all know because of the King James, and they are to serve this service in this month. What's going on here? Well, an abundance of milk, and I was looking at various dictionaries and sources, means that there's a lot of animals, animals that can be milked for the milk. How do animals thrive? from fertile land that produces plenty of vegetation for them to eat. What's he saying? This land will be fertile and there will be an abundance of animals and honey. Back in those days, the only sweetener, and it's a pretty healthy sweetener, was honey. And then the Psalms tell us the only thing sweeter than honey is God's word. So milk and honey in abundance and the service they were to continue once they had settled in the land was this Passover meal. And they shall eat only unleavened bread for seven days within the borders once they've settled. Third time, no leaven, get rid of leaven, get rid of sin, and then tell your son on Passover, we eat because of what Yahweh did For me, when I came out of Egypt, what's happening here? The relationship with God, who God is, all he is, by oral repeating of the deeds of God is being passed from generation to generation to generation. The remembrance of the feast of their salvation from death and from bondage. For every generation, the blood of the Passover lamb delivers from death. Now, that was the first revelation. Let's go forward some 1,400 years to Jesus in his last days on earth, what we heard in Luke. Before he suffered, Jesus ate the Passover with the apostles, then took the bread of his body being given and the cup of his blood being poured out. Jesus desired to eat the Passover with the apostles before he suffered. But then he said he would never eat and drink until the fulfillment of the kingdom. Line by line, we're told when the hour came, he reclined at the table the apostles with him. Hour occurs several times in the Gospels, but this is the hour, the very hour for which Jesus was born in order to pay for the sins of people on the cross. And he said to them with desire, I've desired this Passover to eat with you before I suffer." We've got a noun and a verb here, and Jesus is saying with longing, he has set his heart on this special Passover. You see, Jesus is the Lamb of God whose blood is taking away the sins of the world from the first chapter of John's gospel. And he says, for I... Oh, wait a minute. Um, Let's pick up a bit on this suffering. This is a key thought. We'd all like to just not have this be in the Bible. One of the things I love about God is he puts in the Bible what we need, whether we like it or not. His suffering was vividly described through the prophet Isaiah. And I've given you the reference. Most of us know it. But also, and this is a key passage in the book of Acts in a key teaching. As he suffered, so must we. As Paul and Barnabas returned back to Palestine, back to Caesarea in Jerusalem and Antioch after they were first set out, they said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's a prophecy. That's a prediction. We prefer not to consider that a promise, but it's the truth. 
And then he says, for I'm saying to you that in no way I eat until whenever it's been fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And this, people, is the strongest language available to Jesus to say, absolutely no way. Now, by saying until the kingdom of God is fulfilled, he's not talking about the beachhead, the beginning of the kingdom now, which is in the church of Jesus as it grows. He's talking about his second coming. And now, having taken the cup and giving thanks, he said, take and divide it among you. So this week, many, many years of study and books came together for me. There were four cups in the Passover meal by Jesus' day. And here's what the four cups in order were for. The first one was to make holy, which was in our second passage. The first cup was a cup to be made holy by God. The second one was for deliverance. The third one was for redemption. And the fourth cup is both the agony of judgment and the promise of blessing. Now, when Jesus gave thanks for this second cup, he modeled the command Paul gave to a church at a later date when he said, give thanks in everything. And then he commanded they take this second cup in the memory of the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. So even 1,450 years later, God's people are celebrating this. And then he says, after this second cup, he kind of repeats himself, but he changes it a little. For I am saying to you, no way I drink from now until the kingdom of God has come. Again, the very strongest language of negation available to him, absolutely no way until he comes again. He's again referring to his second coming. And now we get to the climax of all our readings and what this is all about. Having given thanks for bread, he said, this is my body being given for you. Likewise, the cup is my blood of the new covenant being poured out for you. So having taken bread and giving thanks, he gave it to him saying, this is my body being given for you. You must do this in my remembrance. So as with the second cup, he gives thanks for the bread. And then this is very important. And Luther did not break with the Catholic Church on this point. In fact, he agreed with them. Is means is. In an emphatic way, he used the explicit verb of being to say, this bread is my body. And now Jesus updates what Moses said about remembering the deliverance from physical slavery in Egypt so that whenever we partake of the Eucharist, of communion, we remember our future deliverance from sin. And then the cup in the same way, after the eight, he was saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for you being poured out. The last word, being poured out. So this third cup now is the cup of redemption from sin. Jesus poured his blood out on the cross to redeem us from sin. And then as far as the new covenant goes, some 600 years before this, Yahweh said in his new covenant, he will write his word on people's hearts after he forgives them. Jeremiah 31, classic chapter. And when we talk about the blood on the cross, we now get into the fourth cup, the agony of his blood being shed on the cross. This fourth cup was the cup 
that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane that he wouldn't have to take, but he did. And here's another thing we've got to remember that comes back to what I told you earlier to remember, people. Salvation and life come only through sacrifice and supremely the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Again, this blood of the Passover delivers us from death. And this blood of the Passover is now the blood of Jesus, the Savior. So here's our application, people. May we fully offer ourselves to the one who gave his blood for us. And may we know him better by daily hearing his word. I I can testify to this. I need God's word every morning. So in conclusion, the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost of the houses of the Israelites saved them from the destroyer who killed all the firstborn of Egypt. And as a result, Israel was to be holy when Yahweh brought them into the land of milk and honey. How? By purging leaven or sin from their homes. Thank God, because we can't do it ourselves. We can now do it in Jesus Christ. 1,500 years later, on the very same spring night, the Savior, celebrating the very same feast with his apostles, declared that his blood of the new covenant would be the gift of himself for them. So I feel like it's Christmas. What else can we do but take this gift to ourselves, unwrap it, and use it every day? The blood of the Passover lamb delivers from death. Amen. And we will sing for our um, song before the benediction, number 133, I Then Shall Live. can thank God for uh, the Gaithers, a couple of English teachers who have written some very awesome lyrics. Our benediction is from uh, 1 Corinthians.
Paul writes, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? See, they were sinning because they felt they could be forgiven. And he says, clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump just as you are unleavened for Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. And then our last song we will sing is 245, We Are the Reason. Show us the reason to live. 